This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. Today we have as our special guest, author Terry Brown. Now you may remember, if you have the most special memory for details, <laughs> that we interviewed <laughs> Terry a couple of years ago about her book, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, which took place in Ukraine. Terry has a new book coming in January 2024 called Daughters of Green Mountain Gap. And I'm Mary Elkins. Today, we will hear about Terry's new book and what went into creating it. You'll remember also that Terry did a cross-country tandem bicycle trip that changed her whole outlook on life. Her new book is an Appalachian granny woman tale, and we're about to find out what all that is. Welcome back to Late Boomers, Terry. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be with you today. We are. We're great. It's great to see you again. <laughs> Yeah. At first, Terry, can you take us back a little to how you got started being a novelist? So I started writing for small businesses in 2000, um, but I, I wasn't doing anything super creative, you know, just small um, ebooks, things for the internet, email stuff. Um, and I was living in a really bad relationship at the time. And there was, I tell people I didn't have a safe place to land. So like to write something that is creative means that you're putting yourself out on the line. It's a whole lot different than if I write something about real estate, nobody likes it. I don't worry about it because it just meant that they didn't really care for the topic. But if I write a, a novel and someone doesn't like it, well, that you know, it can be a little painful. And if you don't have a safe place to land, then it's even more painful. So there was no way I was getting started on that. But I left that relationship in 2017. And I started writing almost immediately. It's like the words just started just falling out of me. But I was still terrified to like let that out into the world. Because even though you get out of that bad relationship, you still have the damage left from being in that kind of relationship. So that kind of brings us to that bicycle trip that was mentioned. And I met my now husband, who I, by the way, was never getting married again. And so he tells everyone that he chased me until I caught him. And <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's crazy. We got married and went on this epic tandem bicycle. So a two-seater bicycle. And we rode from the coast of Oregon to Washington, D.C., which is 3,102 miles. And I am not an athletic person. I enjoy being outdoors, but like picking up shells or, you know, that watching the sun come up. Like I'm not, I'm not the, the marathon runner or the triathlon or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So this was yeah. huge for me. And when I'm 
the, the day we're finishing, we're coming up the hill. I see where we're going to stop. I'm laughing and crying at the same time. I mean, it was just, just crazy. And I thought, I made it. I made it across the United States on a bicycle. I can do anything I put my mind to. So it wasn't a matter anymore of can I do it, but what is it I want to do? And I said, I want to be an author. And 14 months later, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow hit the shelf. So hmm. that's, that's, that's amazing. Kind of the, yeah, that's kind of like the, the long and short of it. So that's it's amazing great. that you set your mind to it and you did it. So many people have to mull over whatever it is in their minds that they'd like to write. And you just did it. I think that, you know, I had those stories. They had been building in me for a long time, and I was just terrified to let them out. And once I got mm. in a situation that I wasn't afraid of letting it out anymore, they just, like, literally, they were, like, falling out. I almost felt like I just had to open up my mouth and, and, and get my fingers ready and just and let it all oh, come out onto the onto the page and yeah and so it's been it's been really interesting it was scary because after the first one and and it it was well received the timing was phenomenal to write a book about Ukraine and have it come out 2 weeks before the current war started um you know mm -hmm. so then number 2 came out and i was terrified what if i can only write one book Mm -hmm. You know, what if it was a fluke? What if I yeah, only had common. one book in me, right? And yeah, so the yeah. second one is doing even better than the first one did. And now the third one's come out. And this one scared me because I had to write it very differently because my husband's ill. And so I didn't have, I normally go away for two weeks and I just, just write and let it all out. And I, I didn't mm -hmm. have that ability. So I wrote it in little fits and starts over several months. And I thought, what ah. if it doesn't come together? What if it's horrible? What if changing my process changes the book? And so yeah. each mm -hmm. time I've had this this fear that something isn't going to be right. But so far, I'm getting pretty good feedback. So I'm hoping that, that you know, this is another one that people are going to love. Well, tell us more good. about the book, your new book, Daughters, yeah, so of the the, Green Daughters of Green Mountain Gap. That's right. So Daughters of Green Mountain Gap, it's three generations. Uh, the oldest generation, her name is Maggie. She is a granny woman, which is a healer, like uh, the kind of people that use the mm -hmm. roots and the herbs. Um, there's still granny women that exist today in the North Carolina mountains, but they were pretty much the only healers around in the 1800s. And I have her at the turn of the century. So in the 1890s and Modern medicine is starting to, to come into some of the, the bigger towns and cities. So there's a little bit of, of like confrontation as to what's right, what real is real medicine. To add a little mm -hmm. bit of interest to it, Maggie befriends a Cherokee medicine man and learns some of his trade as well and some of the things that he does. And she brings that back to her community. And there's a little bit of pushback because, you know, they see the Cherokee as, you know, heathens. They they didn't believe in the, the same gods. Um, they see them just as as less than. And here she is bringing that medicine to them. And she, she mm -hmm. kind of puts it on the line for them. Well, her daughter also feels like she's called to heal but she doesn't like the way her mom does it. And she goes off and she becomes an actual nurse mm. and tries to bring mm -hmm. modern medicine back to her community. So now mm. there's this, this fight, this tension between the mother and the daughter. 
then mm-hmm. there's a granddaughter. And she looks at both of these women that she loves. And she recognizes that they both have very valuable ways of, of healing and that they both lose patience. Mm. You know, so it isn't like one is superior to the other. And she's trying to figure out, is there a right way? When mm. is one superior? How would one know? Mm-hmm. That. A and then that we of all course, ask ourselves all yeah, the time. Yeah. And so then is and then Maggie if, the main character or the granddaughter is the main character? All three of them. It's definitely oh, a three point balanced. of view story. So you you oh. see it from I try to go back and forth between the characters each chapter. You kind of see the next scene from their point of view and it just moves the story along. Oh good. Yeah. What inspired the premise of the book? <laughs> I had a wart. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. So I had a wart on my thumb. I mm-hmm. went to my primary care, not for the wart, just for, you know, a regular checkup. And while I was there, I said, hey, I've got this wart on my thumb. I'd love for you to, to like remove it here in the office. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I can't remove that here in the office. You would have to see a specialist. Course. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to go see a specialist over a wart. So I went to the pharmacy and I got one of those little patches. Well, two, three weeks later, I'm talking to my brother on the phone and we're complaining about medical stuff. And I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, my primary care doctor does nothing anymore. All they do is listen to your heart and send you to a specialist. I mean, that's, and I said, I had this wart on my thumb and, and she wouldn't even remove it in the office. And he said, why didn't you have someone talk it off? Huh? I said, what? He said, yeah, <laughs> I've got a friend who talks off words. Well, I am <laughs> seriously. I happen to have somebody. Wow. I happen to know someone, I, right? I and haven't I, heard in, of anyone like that. No. And so I'm very naive. And in my family, I'm the one that people tell stories to. And then they laugh for years. You remember that time we told Terry? So I was yeah. sure this was one of those times. So oh, I just sure. kind of let it, yeah. oh, I mean, seriously, I let it, it pass. But when we got off the phone, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I thought, well, I'm just going to look it up. I'm going to Google it and then I'll know right away. And I don't have to let anyone know that I was so naive yeah. as to believe it, right? I looked it up and lo and behold, there are people who talk off warts. They can literally talk to your wart and within the week it falls off. Oh, There are also people that can blow in your mouth if you have thrush. And the thrush will disappear. They can talk to breech babies and get babies to flip. Mm-hmm. Like oh my crazy God. things. So the more research I did, it led me into the idea of like the granny woman. And th- I don't know, the more research I did, Maggie was born in my head. And I knew her name was Maggie right away. And she started talking to me. And the story just kind of came to life. But it all started because of a wart. Wow. So the writing process that you have, do you ever feel like you're crazy? Yes. That you're hearing, hearing these people talk? <laughs> yes. it, it, we don't hear this writing process from all the authors that we talk to. Well, the it, they, they, is they could talking. potentially be lying to you. Oh, okay. Oh, some people, under, uh, some people don't like to talk about the fact they hear voices. Um, no, I've, yeah. I mean, I've talked with a lot of writers and people do have very different ways of, of, of writing and what comes to them. I really, you know, I don't really believe I have the character in my head. Like I'm not, I am not crazy, but I believe that it's like my subconscious just kind of telling me a story. 
and, and it comes in and now it's in the other side of my brain, the one that can type it up. And so it feels like, I don't know, it's kind of like, you know how kids have imaginary friends? It's not mm-hmm. really that they're an imaginary friend. It's just ideas that come to them and, and then they, they're willing to like talk about them or talk with them. And I think that's kind of the same with me. I have these ideas that come up and I just, I let them go and I'll ask questions in my one side of the brain and my other side of the brain goes, Oh, I wonder what we would do with that. And you what know, kind I don't of know. questions just, do you ask? Like what would happen if Yeah, a oh. lot of what would happen if, well, what, it's, what would it's happen? It's really a blessing to have that kind of a gift. Yeah. If you're wanting, yeah. if you're wanting to write a book. Yeah, it's yeah, really it is. A blessing. It is. It really is. I, I I sometimes do feel like if I just sit still, that the characters will tell me. In fact, I do have a little story about that with this book. I had oh, gotten to a particularly difficult scene, and I didn't. I wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do, and and it it seemed pretty obvious that that's what I needed to do, but I didn't want to. So I didn't write it. And I thought, I'm going to just let it sit for a few days. I'm sure that I will come up with something else. Six Mm -hmm. weeks went by and I could not write. I had no idea where this story was going to end. I I didn't know what was going to happen next. I was at a complete standstill. I finally wrote this difficult scene and it was difficult. And when I was done, I put it down. I just, The next day when I woke up, I knew the rest of the story, how it was going to end, how I was going to wrap everything up, and it was perfect, and I just needed to listen. I already knew the answer, and I just didn't want it to be the answer, so I was refusing to listen. Uh, It was crazy. You're just being guided. You're just really tuning tuning into your guides. I think think it's just tuning into that creative part of you. We all have it. We all have it. I think every person has a creative side. It's just how in tune are you to it? Yeah. You know? exactly. And luckily right now at this point in my life, I'm in tune to it. How, is there anything you do to get in tune with it or you just sit down and put your hands on the keys and write? No, I usually don't sit down to write until I feel ready to write. I've tried the sitting there and, and, I don't know. It feels very much like being in school and being forced to today. We're doing math, whether you like it or not. And it just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't suit me. So I tend to, I don't know, be thinking about it mm-hmm. a lot. And just walking around the house. Walking and doing. And may, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll go take a walk on the beach. And as yeah. I'm walking, it'll be like, oh, 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 oh. And I'll make a few notes. I I carry my phone and I'll just you know, do a few audio notes for myself mm-hmm. so that when I get home, I haven't forgotten this, this idea that I had to go somewhere. And, and as I'm walking, I'm, I'm thinking it through and it's like, no, that wouldn't work well because of, and then, well, what would happen if, and then, and then before long it's there. And then when I sit down to write, it's, it's like falling out of me because I've been contemplating it. I, I read a book not too long ago. Um, Time to Write by Emily Winslow. And one of the things that I loved the most was she said that it's okay to daydream. (laughs) That daydreaming can be part of the process. And I've always, yeah, I've always felt bad because I'm not an everyday writer. 
Some, mm-hmm. some authors write every morning from 6.30 until 9.30, whether they want to or not. And I'm not that person. And I used to really kick myself for that, thinking that there was something mm. wrong with my process, that I should be more, I don't know, involved or, or studious or whatever. Um, but when I read that in her book, I thought, that is what I do. I do write every day. I just don't put it on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, By the yeah. time I put it on paper, I, I kind of know where I'm going with it because I've been I've been doing all of that stuff in my head for a while. Well, I have to ask you: when you went on your tandem bike ride, were you mulling your books oh, yeah. over in your oh, head? Yeah. And and oh, yeah. tell us more details about that. So when you're on a tandem, you have we would ride six to eight hours every day. Whoa! And yeah, that's the a same long time. person always in the front. Yes, yes. And yeah, you, um, your, I'm not. I'm not a good enough. You. It was him. I'm not a good enough no. cyclist. Um, he's been he's been a cyclist since he was like 13 years old, and I don't mean oh. riding a bicycle. I mean like bicycle racing and touring, and that's he's done that. So he's really attuned to things like the traffic and roads and conditions, and I'm not. And so I'd be much more likely to get us hurt by failing to recognize something that was coming up. I was very happy to have him in the front because it allowed me to do this (laughs) because I have to pedal, but I don't have to steer. I don't have to look. I just hold on and I pedal and I pedal and I pedal. And so I got to do a lot of looking around and thinking and just contemplating life. And I think that's part of the reason why by the time I was done with that, I I had healed so much Mm. from Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that I had been through before, because first of all, you're doing something that's kind of way bigger than you, way bigger than Mm -hmm. you've ever done before. And it, and it proves that, that you're capable. And then the other thing is, is you have a lot of time to kind of digest all of that stuff that's happened and put it in a box somewhere and label it for what it is. And then, and then scoot it away because Mm. you don't need it anymore. And so every now and then I still have things that jump out of the box, but mostly, and when they do now, though, I recognize them. It's like, oh, I know what box you belong in and you can just put them back away where it goes because you've, you've learned. And so I did the same thing with the books too. Ideas would come and I would let them just kind of pop around in my head. And I had zero time to sit down and write anything because when Mm -hmm, you're doing that, by the end of the day, you put up your tent you fix your food, you wash your clothes out by hand and hang them on a line and you crawl into bed. And that's pretty much the way your day goes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah. But then can you hope that those will be dry in the morning? So you well, we, we I had two outfits. And oh, so you'd okay. wear one and wash one. And then if it wasn't dry in the morning, then you would hang it on the back of the trailer and let the sun finish drying it so that it would be dry for the next day. And then you would so wash you, the one that you're in. Wait, you had a trailer? Along we, with we you? pulled a trailer that had all of our camping well, gear. Well, they in. need a tent and stuff. That's, That's a heavy. Bike. Yeah. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. And we looked like kind of a, a circus. You know, there's the, the, <laughs> long, the long bicycle and then the, the trailer in the back and a flag. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've well, alluded to a very hard scene that you had to write. So yeah. what was the hardest scene to write oh, and why? I, I, or would that, that would give it yeah, away. Yeah, that would, that would just ruin the story. Um, 
Why do you think it was so hard? Because it was so uh, the difficult subject matter or something yes, like that? Yes, it was that? a difficult subject matter. And it was something that was going to happen that was difficult to a character that I enjoyed. And mm. it was just mm-hmm. a diff- it was just difficult. And a lot of times when that happens, I don't know, you have the tendency to really fall in love with your characters and you don't yeah. want bad things to happen. Yeah. And when they, oh. when they have to, then, then it's, you almost have to mourn, you know, it's like, Oh, Oh, this that's character. That's so awkward. Yeah, yeah it is. It you is. Can't. You know, it's like you bring them to life and then you kick them off or you do, you know, do whatever you do. But, yeah. um, you know, you get them in a relationship and then you let it fail. And then, you know, it's, yeah, you'd feel kind of oh. like you're just playing with people. <laughs> she whiz. Yeah. You get so invested. Yeah. yeah. You do get yeah. very invested. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and then you, you try to rescue them, don't you, when you can? Yes. Yeah. And so I really, I think that's what I was trying to do during that period of time was come up with like an alternative like, okay, so I don't want to do this. What else could I do that would be good for the book, that would give it the twist that it needs, that would, would you know, really get my readers, and I would still be happy with what I have to do. And I, I never came up with that. Mm-hmm. But you came and then up once with I wrote better. the scene, once I wrote the scene, the whole book, it was like, and now you know where it's going. It was like, oh, my gosh, I have been – because I, I was – 58,000 words in, and I still did not know how the book was going to end. Mm-hmm. And that wow. got a little scary for me, even as a pantser, because I don't plot. But even as a pantser, usually at that point, I know where it's going. You know, I've I've thought of it enough, but I had come to that point and just nothing. We've interviewed a lot of writers, so we know what you mean by that. But tell, tell the listeners what a pantser is. Okay, so there's plotters. They're the ones that have everything kind of all outlined and they, they know what their plot points are. Some people have things like they have 40 beats and they know exactly where everything's going. And then there are pantsers. They fly by the seat of their pants. And that's what right. I am. And I just kind of sit down and let the story start coming out. And I think that because of the way I write, I have to go back and do editing. I mean, pretty pretty intense editing because as I'm writing, I realize, oh, for this to work, that had to have happened several chapters ago. And I'll make notes on a little, just on a notepad next to me. And mm-hmm. that note is add such and so earlier. Well, then I have to go back through and figure out, well, where does it make sense to add that? And how can I add that where it feels natural and doesn't look like Terry just added something so you know so that's mm-hmm. what happens with me is as I'm writing I'll recognize ooh this would work but only if I told them something earlier mm-hmm. and I didn't because I didn't know I was coming to this yeah point. because you didn't plot it that's right. great yeah right. and so you know and I used to worry too that I was this pantser instead of a plotter and I don't worry about it anymore. I've just decided that everyone kind of has a thing that makes them feel the most comfortable writing. I feel better just kind of having a blank slate and just writing and seeing Mm -hmm. where it goes. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like life, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it is my (laughs) life anyway. (laughs) I've tried the planning. It never works. (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe that could be true. Um, so what do you hope readers will take away from your new book, from this story? And 
I think that I want them to really think about well, a couple of things. One of them is this idea. We see Maggie who really is like she'll embrace other ideas besides the things that she was taught. So she goes into the Cherokee uh, nation. She is there with this medicine man. She learns some of the things that he believes. And she, instead of saying, well, that's not what I believe, or that's not how I believe, she would step back and say, how can I take what he believes and use it against what I believe? So he would be talking about his religion, because in the Cherokee, Cherokee healing, there's a lot of this idea of like nature and balance and things that are part of their religious beliefs. So it isn't just, it isn't like healing and religion and they're, they're very much combined. And so he would be talking to her about things about like balance. And she was, how can I use that against my Christianity? You know, I have, I have these beliefs and he has those beliefs and she would, she would find a way to, to take what he said and allow it to fit her belief. Whereas I think a lot of people just say, that's not what I believe. And they, they close their eyes to it. So mm-hmm. I hope that people will think about that when they meet someone who is different than they are, or when they meet someone who believes something, or they, they are introduced to something that's very different from what they're used to. Instead of outright saying, I'm not, this isn't what I believe and I refuse to look, or this isn't the kind of person I like, I refuse to be friends or whatever it is to be able to say, what are some of our similarities? Mm -hmm. How can we, how can I take what they're saying and use that in my own life without getting rid of my own value system? You know, I'm not saying changing the world, right. I'm not saying change your one, one reader at a time. Yeah, I don't want people to say, well, I have to change my values. But how can you how can you take what other people believe and find find a place for it? You know, so that's one of the things. Yeah. And then the other thing that I hope people look at is not just in medicine, but in life, we're always getting new. New stuff always comes in. Right. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that everything in the past is bad. And so in uh-huh. this medicine idea, for a long time, modern medicine came in and people threw roots and herbs out the window. And if you look now, what's happening? People are starting to go back to oh, yeah. roots and herbs, right? <laughs> things right. that are more like aromatherapy and massage therapy and other things that aren't your traditional modern Western medicine. Why uh-huh. is that? Well, because we threw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, there works. are good, there are really good things with modern medicine and, and I wouldn't want to trade them for the world. No way do I want people to do bloodletting because I have diabetes, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> right. Right. But on the other hand, there are so many things that we could do preventative wise that we don't even look at anymore because we, we went completely the other way. So I, I would mm-hmm. hope that the other thing that people do is like, Look at what is good in the world and keep it and what is new in the world that's good and keep it too. You don't have to do an either or. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's okay to blend it's good. It's good. And I how did that. you decide on your title? Oh, I hate titles. 
I hate titles. I am so. <laughs> I know you do. You no, talked about I, that yeah, in the other book. So I bad. Remember. It's like, how are you supposed to take eighty-two thousand words and and condense it into one to five? I don't even like. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I saved it just as Maggie, and then for, then I started saving it as Mountain Healer, which I knew was never going to be a title, but it was like that would remind me when I looked on my computer what it was. I turned it in as, um, oh what oh the the healer's apprentice, but I didn't like the title. Um, mm-hmm. I mean it was okay, but it sounded almost more like um like a fantasy novel or something. It just didn't it just didn't ring true. So when my editor got hold of it, she said, "And the title." And I said, you tell me. And she said, it's okay. And I said, yeah, that's the way I feel about it too. It was like, it would have, it would be okay. I opened it up to my readers. I have a a pretty good um, list, my newsletter list. I sent out to my readers and I gave them several suggestions that had come from my editor and, and, and whatnot. Without giving them the manuscript, right? Oh, no, no, no. Just titles. Just titles and and like a little blurb. Okay. Just a little blurb. This is what the book's about. Here are some titles. What do you think? Love that. I I really wanted something that had Flower Moon in the title because the Flower Moon is in the springtime and it was really going to be there's there's several things that happen during the Flower Moon. This past summer. Yeah, is you it can't killing, do that. killing the flower moon uh, came no, out. Right. Killers, killers, right. of, killers the of the moon. flower moon. Right. It was a huge okay. book. It was a right. huge popular so I book. I cannot, I cannot no. do that because then I'm competing against that. It's so, up for right. best picture. It'll be up yeah, for best yeah. picture. So you know. that was out. No. <laughs> then I also considered doing something with Granny Woman, but the problem with that is Granny Women still exist. There are lots of nonfiction articles. And so I would be fighting again, you know, trying to come up in the ranks against. And I thought, okay, Mm, I can't do that. mm -hmm, So the one that they all kept saying they liked was Daughters of the Mountain. Mm -hmm. I thought, it's okay. Doesn't really. Then a reader said, you know, something that I happen to know is although they're the Appalachians and the Blue Ridge, most areas the lo- locations name their hills. They name those mountains specific things. And I thought, oh. so I opened up a, a, a map and started looking because this is a real place in North Carolina, Burnsville. They live five miles outside Burnsville. So I drew a big five mile circle and I started looking at all the hill names. And when I saw Green Mountain Gap, it was like, yes, instead of Daughters of the Mountain, it was Daughters of Green Mountain Gap. And it was perfect. It was mm-hmm. exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. yeah. So, Do perfect. you include a map in the book as well? No, no. But it's easy enough. If you go look up Burnsville, you'll see it. I mean, it's it's still a town today. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I picked that town was just because of it was close enough to Asheville that it would have made sense. I need them to go to Asheville at one point, And it would have made sense that that's where they would have gone. And they're mm-hmm. close enough to the Cherokee, far enough that it's a travel. You you don't mm-hmm. do it in an afternoon, but close enough that it is possible that she had done that. So, mm. oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's all good. That's reasons. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite character, or is Maggie your favorite character? You know, it's it's funny. Maggie and Josie May. So Maggie is the grandma. Josie May is the granddaughter. 
I love them so much. I love their personalities and everything about them. Carrie Ann is a tougher character. And I've almost come to love her the most because I feel like she needs the most love. Oh. Mm. You know, like, like, okay, come on, dear, show them your good side. Because she had a, she has a lot of, she just has a lot of issues that she's not willing to look at. And they keep coming out in her relationships. And so uh-huh. I don't know. I just feel like she needs my love because I have a feeling that she's going to be the one I hear most about when I go to a book club or anything like that, where they're going to say, well, I don't really like Carrie Ann. And I'm going to have to be able to say, yes, but <laughs> Here, <laughs> so here's why you do her. like her. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. It is kind of funny to pick the one that needs the love instead yeah. of the one that you actually like. <laughs> That she actually but love. What what was some unique research you had to do for the book? I didn't know a whole lot about roots and herbs. I mean, you know, some of the oh. basics that you've heard of. So I did a whole lot on that. I think the things that were really amazing to me is how the one plant can do different things depending on which piece you're using. So leaves might mm-hmm. be used for one disease, whereas the flowers could be used for another, where the, the roots could be used for something else, which I thought was really interesting. Then mm-hmm. even when you pick it matters. So if oh. you pick certain plants after the sap has started running in them, they'll, they're, they could be poisonous. But if you pick them in the winter when the sap isn't running, then you can use them for medication. So it isn't and then they even dry ju- them. Then yes. they keep them and So dry it them. isn't even just, oh, grab a dandelion. It's what part of the dandelion or a particular plant, but when are you when are you taking uh-huh. that plant? Oh. You know, and I I just found that to be really interesting. And then even the idea of like in one one place, they use poison ivy, the sap from poison ivy to help reduce the fever. Really? And, and yeah, and you think, ooh, poison ivy, right? And then yeah, how, why not? How do you touch it to get right. it, to use it? But when you think about it, we use all kinds of, of modern medicine that it's poison. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, my husband, my husband has cancer. He's taking chemo. You don't tell me that chemo is not poison. I have to use rubber gloves to touch it. Poison. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when I, I think it kind of hit me like, that's true. I mean, we still do mm-hmm. that. We mm-hmm. we call it a different name. You know, we 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 give it this yeah. chemical compound name where we feel better about it, but it's really no different than what they were doing. They took something poisonous that could then help your body do what it needed to do. Create an and anti alone. an immune system to that yeah. to whatever it is that you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And along the way with your research, did you discover some things you wanted to try and you wanted to use either on yourself or on your husband or on I th- friends? I think, I think the things that, that really hit me the most was the Cherokee idea of balance, that mm-hmm. there is balance in the world. And when things get out of balance is when we have problems. And, you know, like, how can you create that balance in your own life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it comes back to topics that we now talk about as a society, self-care and those, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But I think it really hit me listening to this, this, isn't it funny? I say listening to him as though I didn't create him in my own head, but 
this mm-hmm. medicine man explaining to her this idea of balance mm-hmm. and how you you can't you can't fix everything first of all we don't have that capacity and sometimes people are not slated to make it and you can't you can't do anything about that mm-hmm. and th- that idea of acceptance and the idea of looking to find where things are out of balance to try to bring them into balance. And then that belief in not just your own energy, but other people's energy attached to your energy and how the combination of energy can can do more than yours alone. Oh, yeah. All oh, of those absolutely. ideas. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, you can get, I don't know, I get very caught up in just the normal Western ways and it's easy to forget those things. And so it was kind of a nice reminder as I was doing that research to, mm, to remember, to remember there's, there's, there's a lot of different influences in the world and it's okay not to just look at one of them, you know, Absolutely. open yourself up good to you. open yourself up to more. So yeah, that's, that's wonderful advice for all of us in every aspect of our lives. Oh, I but- agree. Tell me something, though. How long do you research and how much time do you spend researching before you start to write? I so I research before, during and after I'm a, you know, if I if I spent as much time researching as I wanted to before I started writing, I would probably never write because I love to research. And so I can jump down these rabbit holes. So I usually like limit myself to a few days of research of, Mm. you know, go ahead and go down your rabbit holes, find some cool information, learn a few things that, that like spark ideas to give you, Oh, I know. I think what I want to do is then while I'm writing, I'll, I'll come up and I'll say, okay, I've got this guy with a fever and what would they have used in the 1890s for fevers? Oh yeah. yeah, they would use this root. Does that even grow in North Carolina? No. Okay. Uh, they'd use that. Oh yeah, that grows in North Carolina. So while mm-hmm. I'm writing, or if I don't do it while I'm actually writing, I'll make that little note on the side. So I might wrote might write something like, you know, she's she's curing the fever with, and then I'll write X and I'll put mm. highlight it in yellow and move on. And then mm. I, I might go back and, and do it. It kind of mm-hmm. depends how deep I am into the writing. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm really going, then I just highlight it and move on. Um, so I, I do mm-hmm. that throughout. And then at the, at the end, I often have more research that I have to do because I've got to add a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, I often will finish up unlike a lot of people. Um, I know a lot of authors who say, Oh, I had 140,000 words and I had to chop it down to 90,000. And I'm like, Hmm, I always have 70,000 words and have to figure how to get it up to 80. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the other way. And so I often do more research to help kind of fill in some of the, what else could I say about this? And the research mm-hmm. helps me come up with ways to do that. Uh, so, well, on another good. note, on the other side of the brain, you're really good at promoting your projects and interacting Thank with you. your readers and the media. <laughs> How did you learn yeah. to do that? And what advice can you give to writers regarding promotion since it's totally a different skill from writing? It is. It is. So how did I learn it? Seat of my pants. Um, I, when I put out Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, I did not know I was supposed to market. So Mm -hmm. the book went out on Amazon and I sat in front of my computer and waited for it to sell. 
And when mm-hmm. that didn't happen, I recognized I'd better do something quick. So I listened to a podcast of someone who was a book marketer, took copious notes and just started doing something, mm-hmm. anything. And I, I, ha- I hesitate to tell people the way to book market because I don't think there is a way. But I think mm-hmm. you have to find the things that you're comfortable doing. For instance, I love being on podcasts. I have mm. no problems talking with people. I enjoy it. Ask me questions. I'll talk all day long. You're going to have to cut me off, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. for me, a podcast <laughs> is a perfect, perfect venue for me. But if mm-hmm. you've got someone who is very uncomfortable talking in public, then trying to sell your book via a podcast would be a really bad idea. I mean, can you imagine us having this conversation if I sat like this the whole time and never looked at you and all the time? It would be horrible, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I tell people, don't don't buy one of those books that said, you know, a thousand and one ways to market your book because you're not going to be able to do a thousand and one things. Look for <laughs> no, seriously, look for that. Look for, for the sure. things that make you feel comfortable. Oh, I could easily do that. Then do that, and then do it over and over and Mm. over again. You cannot, for instance, you can't do social media and do one post on Instagram every 15 days and expect to see (laughs) any results. No, you got to do more than one a day. Right. You have to to be out there. You have to be seen and you have to make it so that they know it's you. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want your posts to be so different that they don't even recognize it's you. Or if you're going to make them so different, then you need to have something that that makes them the same, a background, a logo, a something that you add so they know, hey, there's that that Terry Brown chick again. Look what let's see what she has to say today. Yeah. You don't want it to go by and have them know I have no idea it was you. Mm, so you're yeah, going to be accomplished right. enough now to give social media lessons to people. I don't know if I that can am. be a sideline. Yeah, I still feel, you know, it's funny. I've had a lot of like local author groups say, oh, come speak to us about marketing. And I still feel really shy about it because I'm, I'm still figuring it out. Like, like every day I sit down and I think, I don't know. I mean, I have lists and, and, and links and, and I'm always, I don't know. I don't, I still don't feel real comfortable with social media, but I know mm-hmm. that I need to be there. So it's just a matter of figuring out what works for me. But consistency is really one of the keys to whatever you choose in marketing. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't do Mm -hmm. one podcast. I can't be a guest one time and expect that to do whatever it is I wanted to do. Right. And I can't just be on a podcast that only talks about books. Maybe I have to be on a podcast that talks about women overcoming things or that talks Mm -hmm. about, you know, like, yeah. Anything about me, I, I'll read podcast descriptions and it's like, can I fit myself into that? Yes, I can. And I'll, I'll send <laughs> off a, a little note and I'll explain why they need me on their podcast. Takes a lot yeah. of energy. A, lo- it does. a lot to do. What's, and you, what's you, next for you, Terry? What, what's oh, next? Are you so, writing something? Yes, I am. And I'm probably <laughs> committing author suicide. Um, yeah. so I've written, oh. I, yeah, I've written three historical fiction from all three of them have three points of view. They're all past tense, you know, kind of historical fiction. I am writing, it's a contemporary humor 
one point of view, first person, present tense. And it's about a woman. It's about a woman who's going through menopause. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a funny look at menopause and the bingo arm wings and the, the memory loss and the hot flashes. I have her, she's recently separated. She's trying to start dating again. She has horrible first dates. She, you know, has hot flashes on the one date that's actually going well. She has a hot flash, you know, those (laughs) kinds of things that just, and, and all the women I talk to laugh. All I have to say is, it's about a woman going through menopause and everyone starts to laugh. I was going to say you're going to have a huge yeah. audience for that book. And yeah. so it's, it's so significantly different in a lot of ways. On the other hand, I tell everyone I'm a character-driven fiction author. I love characters. And so I'm hoping that if you love characters, that you'll love this book and you'll go with it even though it's not your normal historical fiction. I'll probably go back and do more historical fiction because I love that genre. But this mm-hmm. this character has been talking to me. I don't know if you remember the book. Um, as a kid, I read it. Uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, well, it's a big deal right now, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, one day I was sitting there thinking, I wonder what ever happened to Margaret. Mm-hmm. And then uh-huh. it hit me. Her name is Peg. Her name is Peg. And she's going through menopause. And poof, that's where that book was born. I love that. That's great. Thank you, Terry. That's terrific. (laughs) I wish we had more time to talk another time. So you are keeping Beyond Busy, and we are looking at you as a real role model. Thank you. Our oh, guest thank today you. on Late Boomers. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Terry Brown, author of the new book Daughters of Green Mountain Gal. Her other books are Sunflowers Beneath the Snow and An Enemy Like Me. You can find Terry on her website, terrymbrown.com. That's T-E-R-I-M Brown, and all social media. Thank you. And we're grateful so much to our listeners. And we want to ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast, where you can watch the video version of our podcast. And also please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star review. We're on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. Let us know if we have inspired you to take action. Thanks again, Terry. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.